0: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast.
1: It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. ba ba Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Olive Magazine Podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's Food Director and Podcast Host, and this is episode 206. This week I welcome back Olive Fave and star baker Ed Kimber, aka the boy who bakes, to the podcast. We talk about his new regular column in the magazine his brand new cookbook which uses only one tin to make over 70 brilliant bakes and we also discuss how lockdown has pushed his career into unexpected directions. Welcome back to the podcast Ed Kimber.
0: Thank you very much.
1: And you're nice back. to see you. Know, it's been nice a while. See, I, know. I usually see. Well, I, I I feel like we see each other a lot more face to face. Obviously, since this has happened, um, and since this has happened as well, you have become a regular columnist for Olive as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we were. We had a shoot day scheduled. Yeah. To shoot the column, and I think lockdown happened. What a couple of weeks before yeah. that was supposed to so happen. So we just
1: cancelled everything. So we
0: cancelled. I think I saw you maybe the week before lockdown. We had yeah. a one last shoot. Yeah, and then yeah, it's been um, three months. And the first column, it's been two. No, it's been one column because then the book yeah. uh, got extracted. So and
1: we were talking yes. about because um, I remember l- l- looking back at it. We we when I knew your book was coming out and you'd done the photography, which we'll talk about mm. later. We talked about you shooting it and then we were like oh but we won't get to hang out so let's get out in our usual photographer and let's like <laughs> yeah. have a day of hanging out and looking at the recipes and and then suddenly it was like you're gonna have to shoot it yourself Ed which of course <laughs> you were brilliantly set up for so like thank god yeah. for that.
0: But yeah yeah um, I mean I'm sure we'll talk about it but that has been the the godsend of lockdown
1: yeah so <laughs> dual what, abilities um, with, with the new column thought we'd just have a mm. quick chat just to tell people what it's about because obviously they'll know you from mm-hmm. your um previous so you've done loads of different features for us beautiful bacon features um whether it's at Christmas or summer or like easy bacon or whatever but this is the first time we decided to get you in um one recipe a month mm-hmm. and, and I think the idea was that you get to do something where you get to do a bit more of a deep dive on each bake
0: yeah deep dive is definitely how I kind of describe it so with you know, olive recipes, I try and keep them really fun and, you know, on trend and, you know, a bit more interesting than like a traditional recipe, something to grab your attention. Mm. But we also like to try and keep the skill level really achievable. Yeah. Um, And that's partly because magazines aren't, you know, huge... Uh, they don't have enough space to go really deep into technique all the time, especially with baking, Mm. because the recipes can end up really long. Um, So the real benefit of this column is we can do things that are still in the same vein. They're still, you know, really interesting ingredients, really, you know, on-trend baking or new baking ideas. But I can give you a lot more advice. So that can be things from choosing the ingredient you use so sometimes the recipe will be about heroing a new ingredient you might not have used before and what to look Mm. for in buying it sometimes it will be a technique um and i get to give you way more information it's information which is how i naturally write anyway yeah yeah i mean that's what
1: we said when we first started doing it was It wasn't going to be that you're doing these ridiculously complex recipes. No, no, not at all. It's just that if you were saying to a friend, you know, for example, you've done a Krula recipe for us, which is a type of donut. And the the extra information in that is how tacky the dough has to get. To and yeah. you kind of did this really nice illustration of just um, pressing dough between your fingers and showing you how far you could stretch it, and that, that yeah, allows it's, you it's to get to be the exact. So stuff like that, which is yeah, it's not necessarily complex, but it's just that extra mm-hmm. level of information that's going to make you better baker.
0: Totally, it's so each recipe you hopefully will have at least two or three good tips that take that recipe that you could probably make fine anyway, but kind of give you that extra reassurance that, oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And especially with baking, sometimes those things aren't necessarily intuitive. Mm -hmm. So say with the cruller recipe, for example, you know, you could have made shoe pastry, which is what it's made from, loads of times. But cruller dough has to be ever so slightly different. Ratios are very similar and the ingredients are exactly the same, but the actual amount of egg that goes in there yeah. is a tiny bit different. Yeah. And so that tip of showing you how you can stretch it is all about how to succeed with the recipe yeah. so that it's perfect. And naturally, I when I write my books, for example, especially with this one, um, my recipes tend to be overly explanatory mm. because I always want people to succeed as easily and, and as well as they can. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes with space, those things get edited, and I'm always yeah. the one fighting for. You no, know, I need that in there because yeah, it will help. <laughs> so yeah, and that's the tricky part about writing any sort of recipe: is what's the most important thing? And the real benefit of this is I can give you everything that I think is important, yeah. <laughs> which I, is great.
1: I think as well, it's that anecdotal thing, isn't it? Because bacon's always been like for me. I learned to bake with my grandma. She was a brilliant mm-hmm. baker, um, but she did every. I mean, she never. This is shocking. I mean, she never, she didn't have a pair of scales. She basically would use like the old-fashioned tablespoons of, you know, 30 grams of flour per tablespoon. She would do it by eye. It was all fine. She Mm -hmm. wasn't doing fancy patisserie though either. But, you know, that kind of like anecdotal thing where you're telling someone, oh, this is is where you want to get to. This is where you want to. And sometimes with recipes, and I think, you know, we we love subs because they make everything right. But at the same time, they can cut out information where it would help you get from like... A to B, just a mm-hmm. little bit more easier and a, with a bit more information. So I think my thing is I always go like, don't cut Ed's recipe. If there's a bacon feature, don't cut it. I'm like, don't leave it because all that yeah. extra information you think is, is a bit sort of, you know, yeah it's, definitely... it's It's not actually, it's just giving you the means to an end. basically.
0: Yeah, I think it's because, I think the reason I said, I've done it basically the whole time I've been writing recipes and I did it kind of, without thinking. It's something I've always done. Mm. And I think the reason is, is if you look at a lot of, not every cookbook, but a lot of cookbooks that are not baking books, mm. they're cookbooks that might have a chapter on baking or dessert or whatever. With cooking, you can often give quite past, quite s- short instructions. And you'll yeah. see a recipe that's like a paragraph long. But then when they come to the baking, they obviously have to put more instruction, but they're still to my reading of it very... They're just missing a lot of information. Mm. And so I've always tried to write it as obvious and as detailed as possible. Because, you know, a lot of people will pick up a copy of a magazine or a book and they'll read a recipe and they'll have never baked before. So they need it explaining to a certain degree to help them. So what you say about being, you know, the intuition is so right. And I think when the way I try and write recipes is I try and write it as if I was telling someone in person how to make something. Yeah. Because when you write a recipe down, it's very easy to miss out detail and steps that you don't even think about because okay. you just do it. Yeah. And so because I've, you know, I've baked forever, mm-hmm. I don't think about those things. I just do them. And so I try and write notes as I go along to go, oh, this is how you test it or this is what you're looking for. Yeah. And I think the relationship between, you know, editor and recipe writing is really important because you're right, you know, things can be cribbed for for detail or can get confused mm-hmm. in editing, which has happened to me in the past and something I'm dealing with at the moment. Oh, no. um,
1: <laughs> Making a right recipe wrong. Tell oh, you about
0: later. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is, it's a really important thing and I fight for detail. The, the new book was is slightly smaller in format, so... I had yeah. to be really careful about what was taken out. And a lot of it was the extra without taking away the information. Yeah. And that was the trickiest thing, was trying to keep the recipe useful and detailed without taking out
1: yeah, information. I, I mean, the, you, we'll talk about the book in a bit. But mm-hmm. one thing I found with the recipes was when you're looking at it, it kind of looks like, well, that's quite a long method. But it's not It's not complex it's just that you no. kind of in it as we said explain each stage where you should be and where yeah. you need to be and that just gives and i think possibly that's the reason it is is so popular and will continue to be but just pause in a minute to talk about because we're you know what it sounds like we're about to just come out of lockdown like in a much more <laughs> wider way for all of us especially us who work in the food world oh. and you know our magazine depends Mm. on getting stuff from chefs and we do restaurant reviews and you know it's it's all been like a whirlwind of how do we still how do we how are we still relevant and useful within that time and and we've you know we've tried really hard but um but what about for you because i mean your world must have turned upside down i I wrote you a note saying like did you have a cellar full of flour egg like what happened (laughs) yeah um
0: lockdown has been hard yeah uh at the very start of lockdown, a few things happened. One of them was I realised my book was probably going to come out during lockdown, mm. which got me incredibly stressed out. Yeah. My publisher decided not to push it like they were doing with other people. Yeah. Then I lost a ton of work. Yeah. I think I lost maybe 50% of my year's salary within a week. Wow,
1: that was all um, because it was all planned for this time.
0: Yeah, there was a big pop-up that I was going to do. That was going to be a big financial thing. There was contracts with companies that were in negotiation that disappeared. Um, So it was very, very stressful at the start. But then a few things changed. So I have to say a huge thank you to you guys and to Good Food because you've kept me employed. (laughs) (laughs)
1: We needed, we needed you. It was. Well, you know, I, I, it was I like that a, a you needed two,
0: me, but I it's really a, needed you. It was a two way
1: street. I mean, for basically what Ed's talking about, is we've we really capitalized on the fact that we knew he was a, a self contained unit, as you might say. So <laughs> when no one was allowed to go out and do anything yeah. or mix with anyone else, we knew that Ed could do not only write recipes, but also food style them and mm. prop style them and shoot them, which is <laughs> and there were about three people in London who could do that on yeah. their own and you were yeah. one of them. So it and, has
0: been really interesting to pick up an issue of um it was funny because in one month I did something similar in terms of that role for Yeah good food, olive, and for Waitrose. <laughs> so there's just like a, a food styling byline and photography byline. Yeah, and we all it was really funny. for
1: it. Thank you. <laughs>
0: it, it was really funny. I can't remember if it was you guys or good food. Someone put um, food styling, uh, prop styling, and photography, and they put the and in italics to really emphasize <laughs> the fact that I'd done all of it. Um, but yeah, especially at the start of, of lockdown, that was kind of the work that kept me going yeah. because you know, I mean it has been for everybody. It's been a terrible yeah. three months impact-wise. It's been positive in other ways. Yeah. Um, you know,
1: it's kind of pushed people, people have been into baking yeah. More. It's pushed it's kind of pushed cause with that, like just to say that you weren't just doing your recipes, we were saying we yeah, were yeah. we were giving you like things that we needed short, like say a a, a, big a curry stew or you did you did one of Monica Gordon's curries for us you know so it's very delicious you should all make it so it wasn't just baking we were saying ed can you shoot this for us and and you were going and getting all the ingredients and and styling it and shooting it and making it look beautiful so in a way like Mm. you you know you like everyone else was pushed into areas that you might necessarily never have got into but like now suddenly Mm. you you know your portfolio's even bigger full of random (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's,
0: it's funny because i mean i've talked to you about this before that i've wanted to do more and more photography Photography, and you know I've been given small opportunities to do so in the past but lockdown basically made it a requirement that people Mm. needed to try different avenues so I felt incredibly lucky and grateful that I've been able to do that it's not ideal to do it in my house (laughs) (laughs) you know it's a little tricky um but I think the thing that's really funny is um I can, this is going to sound really boring to everyone else, I can shoot on the ground, like top down, really easily. But if yeah. we're shooting kind of with a horizon, kind of like a lifestyle kind of uh, shot, yeah. we have to move furniture. See <laughs> and mean? my partner is very, uh, has been very patient with yeah. me going, we just need to move <laughs> the sofa and the table so I can be near the light. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been a really interesting change. But yeah. then it also means I've had more time to do my own stuff, you know, I haven't, I, when I'm kind of normal life, I try and split my time 50% the stuff that doesn't necessarily make me a living immediately, Mm. but it's the stuff that is putting out free recipes on my site or, you know, I'm developing stuff that will get used later down the the road or you know i'm doing stuff on instagram
1: i mean that's your yeah cuz you're i mean that's yeah. where i think most people will um mm-hmm. so you're at you're at the boy who bakes is your instagram yeah. um i think is, as we
0: speak i've just hit 300,000
1: Have you congratulations yeah. i was going to say so yeah tell us about that so has your audience grown massively since lockdown
0: um so there's been a few things so the audience has grown not massively because I've been very lucky that you already, I was... You were
1: already pretty high, weren't
0: you? <laughs> well, I've already... I was an early adopter yeah. of Instagram. So I've been around for a long time. <laughs> and over the last four years, yeah. I think my follower rate has just kind of gone crazy. Um, but the engagement on anything that any baker posted mm-hmm. during lockdown, especially at the start of lockdown, went... Wild. So if you were, I mean, I think you told me as well, that if you have a website with any baking recipes on, the traffic to those went yeah, massive. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we did too.
0: The, yeah, the viewers on my um, website, I think, tripled at one point. Mm-hmm. The views on my Instagram stories doubled basically overnight. Um, you know, that hasn't completely stayed where it was. It's gone down a bit again. But you could see just talking to anybody in the UK, baking became... Mm you know a huge thing again um you know we can joke about sourdough and banana bread and all those things but people were making them you know yeah. someone at google i think yeah. reported that the search terms for banana bread went up something like five thousand percent it was something oh, like mind. massive i'm not surprised because people wanted it you know easy baking
1: yeah um i was just going to give you a compliment ed and say that <laughs> i'll it, take it care. was. <laughs> Just to say, because your Instagram the thing about your Instagram is you you haven't you might have had more time to put into it in terms of posting mm. more stories and more videos, but you've always had this absolutely mm-hmm. stunning Instagram account where everything's beautiful i mean all the photography is beautiful your videos your step-by-steps are so Thanks. detailed and there's so much information and you're always in the stories talking or you know you're one mm. in, in olden times you'll be wandering around london going to a bakery yeah. you know mm-hmm. in real life and and chatting to people and picking up stuff so it's it's all i just feel like you know you're reaping the rewards of a lot of hard work and talent basically because you are consi- consistent. it's uh, yeah.
0: It does feel like it's kind of a reflection on... Because none of the stuff that I've done of lockdown has been that new. Yeah. It's mo- mainly been that I've had the time to spend doing it. So at the yeah. very beginning of lockdown, maybe even like a week before, I can't remember, I decided that um, it was before sourdough became a thing again, like a trend mm-hmm. again. I thought, oh, I know what might be a useful thing to post right now was a sourdough tutorial. And I have them already on my website. There's, you know, I have a whole series on making sourdough on my YouTube channel and on my website. But I thought, people are going to have some time on their hands in the next few weeks. Why not, you know, do a bake-along and let's show people how to make sourdough. And I basically just thought, because sourdough has always been one of those things where... People do really like it, but people think it's very hard. Mm. Plus, they think they don't have the time. And so I would never have normally worked with sourdough in my work because it won't always be the most popular thing Mm. because a lot of people just won't do it. But I had, I think, 25,000 people watch and uh, use the the bake-along that I did. That's amazing. And all through um, lockdown, people have been making sourdough and then messaging yeah. me and asking me questions and <laughs> sending me pictures and it's so satisfying yeah. but I don't normally have the time to do that deep of a dive yeah. every day for like a week I was on Instagram you know doing like 10 stories a day yeah. they um because you can do it you can do it in
1: real time then can't you because you're because you're always in like you're always in so you can be like exactly hey this is how it's looking now because here i am in my house not moving
0: well that was kind of the idea of (laughs) it so i didn't normally when i do tutorials i will film them edit them and it's like a nice polished video which i have on sourdough but for this i wanted it to be a thing like i'm gonna make it with you i'll make a new starter and we'll make it together. And so I would post the stories effectively in real time and people would then like go, okay, I've just watched Ed's stories, now I'll do it for me. Um, And yeah, I I don't, I would love to know how many sourdough starters were created because of it, but it will probably be in the thousands, which, you know, blows my mind because yeast was hard to buy, but (laughs) then so was flour. So it was really difficult. People saying, can you make it with self-raising flour? No.
1: Yeah, no. (laughs)
0: simple answer
1: it's like you've created sort of twenty five thousand sourdough babies (laughs) Ed's babies
0: (laughs) exactly sourdough monsters
1: yeah (laughs) i'm sure they're all beautiful to the people who created them
0: no definitely
1: stick around for more bacon chat from ed including a sneak preview of some of the recipes from his new book all right well let's talk about the book because that's that's kind of why we're here so back I can't remember when it was, when we were hanging out together. And you mm. told me that, you know, let's not lie about it. Bacon's been hard to pitch, hasn't it, to mm-hmm. publishers? You've had your ups and downs trying to get, get something yeah. off the ground that would connect with them. They're a hot, they are yeah. a They can be really difficult to kind of, you might think you've got a great concept, but they just want something, well, they want whatever they want. So when I yeah, heard that it's... your book had been picked up, I was like, yes. Well,
0: it's, it's <laughs> tricky because... You know, I've taught you about it many times because I've been pitching new ideas for other books. I've written three in the past and I hadn't written one for about four years. Yeah. And during that four years on and off, I'd come up with concepts that I really liked and wanted to pitch. But publishers tend to treat baking very differently than they treat cooking. Yeah. Cooking they see as something that isn't affected by trends. It's just a thing we all do. But for some reason, publishers don't treat baking that way. They're, they're so worried about sales that they think of it, you know, it's only a trend thing. Mm-hmm. And because of, you know, the Bake Off effect, there was a swath, swath, swath of, of um, baking books out there. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't sell very well. Um, and so publishers got nervous about baking books selling. And so to get an idea passed was really, really tricky. But basically, early last year, I'd pitched another book, which didn't quite go anywhere. Uh, But my publisher got me in and we had this big meeting where we basically just threw ideas around um, at each other. And there was loads of ideas. We went all over the place. You know, I wanted to do a book on cookies, but my publisher didn't think you could do a whole book on cookies. I still disagree. I think it would be great. Someone else is doing a cookie book that comes out this year. Damn
1: it. (laughs)
0: Clearly it's true. Um, But we threw around loads of ideas and it was, I think it was about a week. I can't remember the exact date, but it was very close Mm. to me publishing a recipe for a chocolate sheet cake.
1: Yeah.
0: And the sheet cake went wild. Like thousands of people made it within a very short amount of time. And it, it felt like, I've had a few recipes over the years that have gone, like, truly viral. Yeah. And that was one of them. And in that meeting, I mentioned sheet cakes. And my publisher didn't really... They don't
1: twig really, what the yeah, term was. But we talked it, yeah. about the
0: idea of, you know, this kind of universal tin and maybe doing something with just one tin. Yeah. But in the meeting, nothing really felt like it was getting through completely. So... We left it and then about a month later they'd had meetings about the ideas and um, from what I understand they basically said, this is something we think is sellable. So they came back and offered a deal. Um, And then I got to work very quickly. (laughs) But I think the reason they liked the book Mm. was it seemed the most commercial. Um, And I've always kind of not pushed back against commercialism but I don't necessarily just want to do a book because it will sell. Yeah. Because, you know, I could sell... Because
1: you're crazy, Ed. <laughs>
0: yeah. But I could do a, a a really boring baking book that I know would get yeah. sold, but would get bought by a publisher. But I want to do something that I think has value and adds something yeah. and is interesting. And so when we agreed to the concept, my publisher had nothing in mind other than that kernel of a, an idea that we had, that we'd use mm. just one tin. They didn't know what tin to use. They didn't know really what that meant. They just liked the idea. So and that thought, was up
1: to you to go away and, and, and make that a reality.
0: Yeah. But I mean, that's happened before. With my last, my previous book, which was Patisserie Made Simple, they had no idea apart from making a patisserie book for home bakers. Yeah. That was all they had in mind. And because they're not bakers, they don't know what that would mean. And so I'm thankfully given a fair amount of leeway to decide how the format of that book could Mm. be and the recipes. And so I felt very lucky that whilst this book could have been really basic and boring...
1: It's it's anything but. um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I was still able to put my style of recipe and my things that interest me because... I kind of joke that I won't put recipes in my book that I wouldn't want to make because no. what would be the point? Yeah. So yeah, the book is is a really simple idea and something that everybody can latch onto, yeah. but it also has really interesting, cool recipes in yeah. there.
1: So I mean, for people who, j- just to reiterate, it's called One Tin Bakes and it uses yeah. one tin, which is 23 by 33 centimetre, rectangle tin yeah. uh, in the UK, if you're in the US or old money it's nine <laughs> by t- nine by thir- my grandma nine by, 15, by thirteen yeah. inches, which is actually a standard size mm-hmm. tin in the US, yep. I think. Um
0: it's a standard size tin basically. It is here because I bought these days before
1: you sent me because I was testing some recipes from your mm. book for our issue, our gene issue. And uh, and you were like, Oh, I use this Nordicwear one. And and then you very kindly, I didn't realize you sent me your own tin through the post. Yeah. which is <laughs> You're really like, why has it got
0: scratches in them?" mic? Because <laughs> it's like five years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I used that one. The one thing yeah. I, I would say it is, um, and, and I did before that go on go online and buy one um from Amazon or something, is and you do say right at the beginning, <clears throat> the the only important thing is to get a reasonable amount of depth because yeah different manufacturers will just ever so slightly do ever so slightly narrower change it, yeah. or slightly. It, it's not a huge amount, but if you've got five mm-hmm. centimetre depth, you're always covered.
0: Yeah, basically, um, I don't know why it happens, but a lot of different uh, bakeware manufacturers measure things differently. Mm. So one of the things I did when I was first starting out writing the book is I went and bought a bunch of tins, yeah. tested a bunch of tins and styles of tins. And, you know, you might get one that's labelled a 9 by 13 class yeah. bakeware dish, but it's actually not that size. It's slightly off on both sides or, you know, the Nordicware one is a tiny bit smaller yeah. than some are. But basically, if you buy a tin that is labelled as being that size yeah. and it's five centimetres, two inches deep, it basically means that everything in the book has mm-hmm. enough volume. Yeah, so that's... you'll never have any issues. Yeah. Um, The reason I also state it is because, for some reason, old-fashioned British bakeware is really shallow. So, like, you know, if you think of a sandwich tin, old-fashioned ones are, like, a centimetre thin. Yeah,
1: they're tiny, aren't they? Yeah.
0: Because we love flat cake. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We like very domed, weird cakes. But I think the reason that it's now not an issue is we live in this world where, you know, trade is international, everything's international. And so these brownie tins, which is effectively what the tin is Is, used for, Is now very easy to get because they became, you know, they've always been popular in the US, and they're a standard now. Effectively anywhere where any form of kind of like American baking is done, so yeah. UK, Australia, Canada, you know, it's just a, you know, it's not difficult to get hold of now, yeah. thankfully.
1: Yeah, and you say you said like you didn't just, it's not just sheet cake. So you've done tarts, no. you've done no bake bakes. You've mm-hmm. done buns and breads. You've done pop tarts. You've done like a massive selection. How did how many recipes are in there altogether? There's seventy recipes wow. in this one. And how did you? Because I know what you're like. You would have started with a, a list of like three hundred or something. <laughs> <laughs> how so, did you How did you nail it down? What you were going to do?
0: So the idea for the book was basically to show what you could do with limited yeah. bakeware, because I think often baking writers specifically we don't write from a home baker's perspective completely. We might write like the recipe is going to be made by a home baker, so we're very detailed. But, you know, I could go into my spare room and show you a cupboard full of bakeware that most people at home are never going to have. And so the idea was to show you that with one tin, you can make
1: all all styles
0: of baking. So the first thing I did was come up with a chapter structure that would show off a whole range of... So there's like, you know, there's cakes, there's um, roll cakes, there's a one kind of tall layer looking cake, there's bars, there's cookies, there's a bread chapter, pastry chapter, dessert chapter. And the idea is to show you that you can make all of these things in one tin. You do not need to spend, you know, a fortune on bakeware to get baking. Um, In the book, we start, I use a stand mixer because um, I think it makes a difference, but... None of them have to be made with the standard, so no, you can make every anything. recipe by hand.
1: Yeah,
0: um, you could. You know, someone was messaging me yesterday about a brioche recipe, and they're going to make it by hand. I'm like, yep, that's yeah, that's completely fine. It will be sticky. It will be hard, but it's it's doable. You know, <laughs> you nothing. Have to
1: persevere, but it's yes, <laughs> it will take a while.
0: Um, but for the actual recipes, the choice was it, it was done with a little bit of time pressure because mm. my publisher likes a rough outline of all the recipes before we get start wow. started they don't have to be finalized like a lot of them but got changed you, or tweaked yeah. along the line but they like to see the balance so mm. what i always do is i start with a chapter structure and then start plotting flavor mm. don't know what that will be in terms of you know where it would go but i'll be saying i'll say like oh i really want a, a tahini cookie of some sort or I really want to do like, or it could be style of recipes. It could be like, in the bread chapter, I want to do a cinnamon bun style recipe. I want to do a a milk bread style recipe. And then I work from there. And then I basically look at all of the, the recipes and kind of make sure nothing's clashing too much. There's not too much repetition I joke somewhere in the book that I could probably write a whole book on Tahini, but there's actually only two recipes <laughs> I think in you there. Could.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: because I, I, I want to make sure the book is always um, interesting. So yeah. even if you hate tahini, there's only two recipes and there's 70 recipes. So yeah. um, but I try to make sure there's a nice balance. So not too much of one thing and a bit of everything for everybody.
1: But I like the way that you're <clears throat> in a way, you're like you're problem-solving for people. So you're going, Right, cinnamon bun. Can I do it in there? And then you're going away and making mm-hmm. it work. So so basically yeah. you're not just going the seventy sheet cakes, which we know everyone yeah. knows you can do. You're making like yeah. a giant custard tart or you know, you're doing <laughs> like you're doing like cookies. So you're so you're thinking that person will be like, Oh, but can you do this in there? And then you're going away and actually making it happen. So I mean that's why it's so useful and especially yeah. I know you said it's it was depressing to have your book you know, come out during lockdown, but it couldn't be more timely, really. No,
0: it actually ended up being a positive, I think, because people's attention is on the little things they can do to make themselves, you know, feel a bit better. We're all mm. looking for those things. And for so many people right now, baking is that thing, Yeah, which I don't, I totally understand because for me, baking was a way of re- relaxing, a way of, um, you know, getting the stress out of my life Mm. and so I'm not I wasn't surprised when it became a big thing but I was just very nervous but you know the day the book came out blew me away it completely (laughs) blew me away um the book went to I think at the moment it's been 29th out of all books on Amazon which is wild Wow. baking books don't normally get that high it's it's the fifth best-selling food and drink book you know, and the people above me are like Jamie Oliver, and Mary Berry. So I, I'm taking that as a big win. You deserve
1: it. Um,
0: <laughs> thank you. Um, but it's it proved to me that you know baking is that thing we like mm. to do for comfort and for you know times of positivity when we yeah. want to celebrate, but also when we're not feeling great. Um, so, but also it you've, been yeah. it's you've, just been a nice time to be able to do that but in a lim- weird way. You've
1: you've made it easy for people as well. Like you've limit you've kind of gone. you know your imagination can go anywhere but Mm. but i'm showing you within this framework what you can do and i think that's the nice thing is they might go make the cinnamon buns then they might go make the giant Mm -hmm. scone, then they might go make you know the anzac um layer thing so it's like it's like once they know they can do it they'll probably go back again because they're like well i've got the tin now so i can literally work my way through that book and make what i want to make that's like permission isn't it
0: Totally one of the things that's been amazing I mean the book when we're recording this the book has been out for what 4 days yeah. 5 days and people have already emailed me to say oh, I've made three recipes from the book no. in
1: 5 days I've seen it on your Instagram it's yeah, like people it's, it's are going amazing. people are going crazy like making what's the most yeah. what do you think's the most popular that you've seen it's just, difficult just generally
0: because I put up a recipe for free just out of the book on my website oh, right. and that recipe's gone amazing like it's Which a tahini babka bun nice so it's like a cinnamon bun style yeah, recipe not, but not made an easy recipe with an is it no it's it's because it's a yeasted bread dough and it's yeah. rolled and shaped it's a little tricky um but yeah that's been made loads the anzac slices have yeah. just started to be made well, a yeah. lot and i think the reason that's been made is because it's so understandable because it looks mm. and has the same form of as a millionaire shortbread. But there's no shortbread in it. We use an Anzac biscuit as the base. So it's almost easier than a millionaire shortbread because you're not having to... Everything's made with like a wet to dry mix. There's no folding. There's no creaming. There's no rubbing in. It's just like melt some stuff, pour it into some dry stuff. Mm -hmm. There's your biscuit. So there's a real simplicity to a lot of it even mm-hmm. if the flavors are a bit different yeah. which is good
1: well we we don't have that particular recipe in all no. of magazine and the june issue which is on the shelf right now as this comes yeah. out but what we do have is what i think one of the best recipes in there which is the because i made it obviously i tested all the ones we did the turtle brownies which yeah, i, I just that like, oh my god so that's actually people, being
0: made a lot as well
1: um the people just went insane i mean i had some <laughs> i took some around to my sister then she she took it to her father-in-law's house because he was isolated and gave some yeah. to upstairs you know because nice. the other thing is it makes a big sheet as well it does um, yeah but that's a great recipe so turtle is um it's a u.s confectionery isn't it's it it's a
0: candy, candy yeah so it's
1: caramel and um,
0: you normally know, it's like hard chewy caramel and basically you get a pecan you pour some caramel over it and it goes hard and then you pour some chocolate chocolate over it
1: top yeah
0: and it's it's kind of like a really old i think it's southern in the u.s it's like an old confection Mm. and the caramel is normally super chewy so i took those flavors which and i love those Mm. the 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 sweet the candy and we added it to a brownie but Mm. the thing about the brownie that i love is it's not a super inventive brownie recipe there's just two very small changes that i think it make it more delicious so it uses rye flour
1: yeah
0: and rye flour isn't hard to get it's in most major supermarkets these days um it's a very old-fashioned flour but it has this flavor that goes with chocolate just endlessly like i've used it in recipes before. you're a big fan of it
1: aren't you yeah
0: Yeah, it just has so much flavor Mm. but because it doesn't have the same sort of gluten content yeah it's not gluten-free but it's different it makes for incredibly dense brownies Mm, And so we added, I added that, to, I always say we, and I'm like, it's just me. Um, <laughs> but I added in the rye to give more flavor, to get a really dense brown recipe. But then I add the smallest amount of baking powder, which I don't normally add in brownies. Yeah. And it just makes for the most fudgy, delicious so brownies. And then when you add all those other things in, it just makes it heaven. It's so good.
1: I mean, I have to say, you, you did say on the recipe, you can make it with plain flour as well. And I, yeah, I did. It was amazing. <laughs> because
0: it it's was fine with plain flour. Yeah, it was
1: in it's... the middle of lockdown and even <laughs> getting plain flour fine. was a gift. So yeah, I went difficult. to my, got some off my brother-in-law to make it. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, I know you're a big fan of the rye flour and, and I'm sure it's delicious, but the plain flour version is just as good. So don't be knocking yeah, no. your own work. It was great. It
0: will, it will make a really good brownie too. It's yeah. just... One of the things I've always liked is trying to introduce Different people to things, yeah. things that aren't hard to buy, but just add in something extra. Yeah. And I think there's certain things throughout the book where, you know, you just change it ever so slightly yeah, and exactly. it just adds this extra dimension. And I think that's a fun thing for people to explore. Yeah. You know, it's I, I talk about it more and more. When you go to the supermarket and we talk about flour, I think in a few years we won't just talk about you know, by plain flour. Yeah, be st- because of... yeah, there's so many different varieties mm-hmm. and plain flour is one of those things where we don't really know what's in it. We don't know what varieties are in it. We don't know what quality of wheat is in there. And so I think yeah, I think over the next few years you might see that specialist. change slightly. Yeah. Especially store just more information. I think like, people want what, more what, health yeah, information. that's
1: sort of um What's the word? The source of it, where it like a bit yeah. like with our meat, we know where that comes from. So it'll be the provenance Absolutely. of the. And um, it, also just for flavour reasons, yeah.
0: like you know, when you can choose what type of wheat you're using, yeah. it can make big, big differences. Um, and I think we just overlook that sometimes, where we are just like okay, easy peasy, plain flour, self raising flour, and we think of the other things as the flavourings. We don't think of flour as being the yeah. flavouring things. think it's a I think...
1: building block, which is yeah, really totally. important. Because it's the normally the biggest ingredient that, in a recipe. And, and recipe as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's like the next generation of, you know, baking mm-hmm. will be, maybe that's your next book head. Um, <laughs> We've got some we other... We talked go- about that today. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, really exciting. Um, we got another couple of great ones in there. The, the other one I really enjoyed making because it was like something out of, I don't know, like a kid's fairy tale was the giant scone. <laughs> Yeah, I love that one. Because also what's really nice about it is because with scones, you don't really handle them that much, do do you? So you kind Mm -hmm. of like just roll it out and shape them and then like flop them into the tin and cook them and he just becomes this giant scone and then you smother the whole thing in tons and tons of clotted cream and um, strawberries. As appropriate. (laughs) It was so good though. And that scone recipe is...
0: It's funny, that was one of the last recipes I developed for the book. Which you can if you look really carefully you might be able to tell those strawberries are way out of season. <laughs> I think I shot that in December. <laughs> um but one of the things about that recipe was it came from the same starting point as the whole book. And the reason for it is, you know, I love scones, it's one of the first things I ever learned to make. And we have scone I have scone cutters, I have round cutters, but yeah. you'll be surprised how many people don't have a round cookie cutter. And so you don't need that to make the scones. You make the dough all by hand and then you just lift it, place it in the tin and bake it. There's no extra kit needed. And
1: if you were going to go for a picnic,
0: you know, yeah, which totally. is what
1: I did, I, I made the scone and then I took it around and assembled it. at some So like yeah. what I did is I made it and then like sort of wrapped it in bacon, parchment and foil so it mm-hmm. didn't dry out. Um, and then the next day I took it around and assembled it and the scone was still really good. Gorgeous and fresh and yummy, but just a different thing. Well that's actually
0: on it. one of the benefits of making it without cutting into them is because you have a bigger surface area, there's more moisture kept in there. Yeah. So whereas a little scone will dry, dry out really yeah. quickly, yeah. the big one doesn't do it as quickly. But the nice thing about not just that recipe, but all the recipes, is that when you bake them in that tin, you also can serve them in that tin. Yeah. They are effectively really obvious serving. Yeah. things so you know you've got a big cake you want to take it to a friend's house Yeah, it's brilliant. fine uh, most of the cake recipes for example have enough headroom mm. that you could frost them in the tin cover them with foil take it somewhere dead easy yeah. and not have to worry about it getting messy whereas how many times have you seen someone like we oh, both God, live in yeah. london yeah, yeah, yeah. on a tube carrying a cake carrier and like nervously not dropping <laughs> trying it trying
1: to like not touch sheet cakes and... slab
0: pies yeah, yeah, totally. Like these things, because of their form, yeah. are much easier to yeah, transport. To do is, just is, do it yeah, in a tin. Yeah,
1: cover the top and then yeah, yeah, it, dead it's easy. its own kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll probably wrap it up now because we're getting up to okay. 45 minutes. But um, but yeah, you can find, um, there's six recipes in there, including coffee, yep. coffee, coffee cake, which is coffee, coffee cake. an interesting recipe from the US. <laughs> I think we've got... Oh my God, the cover recipe, the giant peanut butter tart, which was That's incredible. been made a few times as well, yeah. Um, peppermint slices, which is kind of a no-bake. And there was the, the icebox cake as well with sour cherries. I mean, yeah. so much good stuff in there. So people can go out and buy that right now. And I think... Um, your publisher kindly let us have a couple of those recipes online too. Um,
0: Excellent.
1: If they want to buy One Tin Bakes, um, it's yep. out now. You can buy it at all your usual outlets. Can they buy it directly from your website too? Or is that Not just at the a moment. pain?
0: No, they will be able to um, as and when. They mm-hmm. won't always be up there because I don't have space to have stock, but there will be some, uh, there'll be some going up yeah. next week, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, the difficulty with cookbooks right now is... Uh, I was told yesterday that so, a lot of stores don't have new stock in.
1: Distribution, That's just not yeah, my book. Yeah.
0: It's The books are much easier to find online. And that means from any bookseller, whether yeah. it be a high street store, independent store, a lot of them are yeah. selling them online, but in store they don't have them. So just have yeah. that in mind when you go and buy my book. So just
1: search, <laughs> one, so search one Tim Biggs or yeah. go buy... The latest copy of Olive Magazine for a little mm-hmm. taster. That's on sale until, yep. Um next Wednesday. um So, it, if people want to find you, and I, I don't know how they wouldn't know where you are now, but so <laughs> it's um at Boy Who Bakes on Instagram. um On everywhere,
0: I'm just yeah. the boy who or, bakes.
1: Is it, is it everywhere? Well, that's cool. That's Basically, really easy. It's yeah. really easy. So, go well, find anywhere it. if
0: I'm on it, it's the boy who bakes, yeah. and if I am not on it, <laughs> then it means either I'm just not there, yeah. probably.
1: But thank you so much for coming to chat to us, Ed. And My you'll be back because now you're a regular, and you can just come yes. back every other month, and we can just talk, talk, we exactly. can talk about flower. Let's let's do proper flower next time. Let's really go yeah, into definitely. it. And you can share all of your. Um... Hundred
0: yeah, percent,
1: Always up for that. All right. Well, thanks for chatting to us today, Ed.
0: No worries.
1: So that was the Magazine podcast. If you want to explore more of our podcast back catalogue of over two hundred episodes, you'll find us on all the main podcast platforms and on our website, olivemagazine.com, where you'll also find tons of useful recipes and great cooking advice. And if you're finding it difficult to get your monthly mag, why not become a temporary subscriber? You'll get the next three copies of Olive Magazine delivered to your door for a single payment of £12.50, saving 15% off the usual shop price, with free delivery and no obligation to continue after the three months. To take advantage, go to buysubscriptions.com, Forward slash allpod three. That's O L P O D three. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week when we'll have a brand new episode to listen to.